Welcome to Sparks and Recreation, your source for info on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms. Part of the Realms Rising Network. Heroes of the Realms, Realmologists, Realm Asitis, Realm Realmers. Reamers. Tim, what was the what was the funny one you had the other day? <laughs> was Reamers? it like Reamsters or something? Reamers? I meant to say Realmsters and it said Reamsters, I think. Realmsters is a good one. Reamer. Well, many of my heroes do get reamed, that's for sure. Uh by often the fellow members of this cast who Let's take a moment to introduce right now. Joining me, as always, the OG himself, Tim Agency 13 McKenzie. How are we doing today, amigo? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. It was a long day and all of that, but I'm ready to do some podcasting, and I'm excited for this awesome episode. Awesome. Uh, joining us, as always, is our um, favorite um Nice cross creator, Sam Sackforce Parsons. <laughs> How are we doing today, bud? Let's get ready to shuffle. I'm ready to podcast, my friends. It's another beautiful night in balmy Washington, D.C. I'm hunkered down in the scrap closet, ready to get my scrap on, <laughs> talk to my homeboys about some nerd shit. Let's go. I love it. Let's get ready to shuffle is your new catchphrase, by the way. You must use that every episode now. I'm, um, I'm here. I'm the the whatever. This I'm like the third rate, whatever that guy's name is, Michael, whatever. Oh, we lost Dubs. Well said. Right before his. Th- right oh, before we his did name. lose Dubs. We'll just keep going, and then we'll add him yeah. later. Um, we also have a very special guest, and he has lived up to his moniker by staying silent thus far, but <laughs> silent no longer. Silent Al is joining us for this episode. How are you today? And welcome. Good. I am good today. I am uh, very excited that you guys could finally afford my appearance fee. So, right. And, uh, <laughs> right. Most of my winnings from Origins went to uh, paying Alex off to come on the podcast. So uh, That's, there you go. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Well, it took us the 16th episode to get him, but we finally have been able to accrue enough wealth to tempt wow, him wow. To, to join us today. So <laughs> that worked out well. Uh, Double Dubs is also joining us, and Hopefully, I'll just add him. Um, Here he is. Speak of the double dubs, and he appears. Uh, last but not least, our very own diamond double dubs, Chris Wahlberg. How are we doing today? Hey, hey, hey! It's Bud Howard, and I'm gonna sing a song for you. Oh, oh the no! Did not work. <laughs> Double Double Dubs needs to call the the cable company so he has a stable internet connection. It was great. That's hilarious. He waved his hands as a blessing and then immediately disappeared afterwards. So maybe it was a blessing that he won't be joining us. It's a magic trick. He's taking some magic lessons. Uh, Anyways, we will roll with it. We'll we'll see what we can do. In fact, I don't think I want to edit too much of this out because it's freaking hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Awesome. One thing we do want to announce this week is a really awesome new article that was uh, written by our own Logan K. Stewart. It is titled Into Tyranor's Maw Techniques on Sacrifice. And as 
far as titles go for Hero Realms articles, it doesn't get much better than that. Um, this is an article about the art of sacrifice. And uh, I don't want to go into too much detail, but it's basically telling you the ins and outs of sacrifice, when to do it, uh, different cards and ways to go about it. So definitely check this out. It is on the front page of Realms Rising right now. We'll also put a link to it in the show notes. And uh, do yourself a favor, read up on the art of sacrifice um, by our own Logan Kate Stewart. Thank you so much for that contribution. So I, I, one thing popped into my head when you were talking about Logan's article is our guest today, Silent Al, a lot of times people would mix up his IGN as Silent AI and think he's one of the game's AIs. Well, Logan has an issue with his IGN that everybody thinks it's IGN K-Stewart instead of LGN because it happens multiple times in tournaments, like all the time. And so just kind of makes me laugh that there's it does in everyone else's defense though logan stewart did not put a single vowel in his ign name which makes things more difficult silent al does uh uses vowels properly so (laughs) right proper capitalization and everything he he is a librarian he should know how to read so he does know what a vowel is yeah (laughs) anyways in the future though you know um eventually the character of um silent bob is going to be you know, CG AI created anyway. So maybe we will have a silent AI at some point as mm-hmm. well. Ooh. Hopefully. Um, yes. All right. So Tim, can you give us a quick overview of the episode? So, so yes, today's episode, we're going to have uh, what would you do from our own Sam Parsons. That's scrap force, sack force, snack force, whatever you want to call them. Uh, from a game of his. We're going to do our main topic where we're going to get to know Silent Al, talk about um, legends, physical tournaments, and uh, playing at level three. Or or the card packs, you know, the base packs of the characters. And then we're going to do a card talk uh, with some... Uh, <laughs> with, with uh, focus on faction abilities and kind of how we look at them and how that uh, how our card valuations may change because of faction abilities and then uh, the community roundup. And that's, that's the, the show for tonight. Perfect. Well, well summed up and we do have an action packed uh, episode indeed with lots of good content. And, and we have a disappearing double dubs. Double, oh, dubs will be, double dubs will be appearing and disappearing throughout the episode. So while he's here, we'll be looking forward to some fun uh, feedback from him. Yes. Sam, uh, you're going to lead off. What would you do today? So why don't you take us away? Lead us into it. What would you say? You do here. Guys, I'm honored by this vote of confidence. I'll try to keep my tautness high, super high for this, even though I'm not starting very well. All right, here we go. Let's set the scene for this edition of What Would You Do, my friends. We are in a challenge where we have two level six champions, one fighter who has the shoulder bash or shoulder 
Crush, I should say. Yes. Uh, fully updated. That's your your skill for two gold, fully upgraded. Uh, the eight damage. Yep, four damage per uh, per activation, and your eight damage uh, discard ability. What's the name of that first one? Do you guys know? I I, I just like blast through it, so I never know. But it's the very first uh, devastating blow or the blow Cru- blow tree. Blow. Crushing blow, excellent. The blow tree. <laughs> the blow tree. There was a girl in college we used to call the blow tree. <laughs> I maybe we both knew her since we're both Bloomington. Uh, Who knows? There you go. <laughs> oh. All right. So um, that is your fighter, and you are against a uh, a ranger with the four three draw ability. And for those of us who may be a little bit newer to the realms. Um, that's where you draw four and you can discard up to three of those. Uh, so we're on the second turn. There's only been one turn. And guess what happened to me, you guys? I- I'm the ranger in this playing against the fighter. The fighter drew on turn one and they got two elven gifts. Probably the worst thing that could happen to you. But it left me with a bit of a, a conundrum to go through. So on the market at this point in time, after the fighter has drawn the two elven gifts, I've got six gold to spend. Um, I have burnt my snapshot in hopes of, or whatever it is, headshot at this point, I think at level six. But I've burnt that to draw the card in hopes of getting to this point. So I can make this epic choice. There is one elven curse that you could pair with an orc grunt, both for three gold. There is one red influence card, which is two gold, and a dark energy for four. And then there is the imperial word of power. So those are the five cards that I have to choose from. Uh, And that, my friends, I think sums it up. Being that it's only turn two, this is going to be my first buy. So I've got six gold to spend here. Um, What I ended up doing, just to go into that, was I went with Elven Curse and Orc Grunt. And I'll tell you why I was very unsure what to do because with a ranger word of power is an insanely good card and also you need heal mm-hmm. against a fighter uh to do uh, influence and dark energy not only are you getting early econ which on a lower level game is good but also draw card which is really good you know you're not guaranteed to pair those two together but it's likely um or you do the elven curse and the orc grunt now the main reason i went with elven curse and orc grunt is that i just didn't think that letting the oh, no. uh, fighter at this point with two uh, elven gifts uh, get elven curse as well. It, I mean, it's already bad. It would just become worse, right? So I went with the elven curse and orc grunt. Still get a draw ability out of the orc grunt if you get the pairing and really good damage from elven curse plus a discard. So I thought that was my best shot. Well, I'll tell you guys what happened in the end, but let's go ahead and pass it along uh, to the next hero of the realms to give their opinion matt rex <laughs> okay we were always like i didn't say it i was like someone's gonna come in here we were eagerly anticipating yeah. your, your instructions there sam really quickly what do you remember what's in your draw pile here did you use your arrows yet nothing this is literally the first turn that i played there's nothing oh oh i'm sorry what's in there i don't remember there's a gold that's been played and that's it other than the cards that are shown there. So there's two there's two two arrows in his draw pile. Got it. Yep. Okay, and probably a uh two gold. The um the horn of calling, right? The horn of calling. Yeah, the horn of calling. Okay. 
and a gold. Yep. Probably. Okay. No, I was just wondering because you always want to at least think about if it's worth tracking or not. Um, right. I would definitely take Alvin Curse first. I agree with you. That would be the first thing I would do, kind of unquestionably, just because you don't want the fighter to get it. I. Do you remember what came up after that? Sam? No. The next card? I think it was not of import. The next, okay. the, like, like after I drew those two, we'll it was like, a good card. Thug. All right. I, he, yeah. he basically got influence, but then guess what? Like, I bought something else, and then he got the Elven Curse. He got another Elven Curse. So it didn't really matter in the end, but <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, well, I do like the Orc Grunt because it gives you some a little damage soak. And it also mm-hmm. gives him one less thing for him to buy and also try to um, faction off his elven gifts. So, yeah. I mean, it's not a bad choice what you did. Um, you could, I guess, make an argument to track to set up your next turn because your next turn is going to be garbage, probably, right? You're not, right. You're going to stuck, you're going to be stuck with two gold and two arrows and whatever, <laughs> whatever else you get. So, tracking could be right. getting rid of uh, maybe keeping those air. I don't know. Tracking maybe everything even and just try to pull your stuff in. I don't know. It's a tough one, though. This is not a great start <laughs> against this fighter. Did did you uh, end up losing this game, Sam? I did, as you might as you might imagine. I did. It I seems mean, like a losing did, start. Did, did you need to ask that question? <laughs> I mean, well, Birdlaw is a great... Props to Birdlaw. This was against him. He's Bird, a great pilot. Birdlaw beats me all the time. Man. Well, yep, you know, Tim, awesome. in, this is a good chance to say, I have learned my lesson about... Uh, uh, Jumping to conclusions about Sam losing. Uh, I, I, I did that. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. In, yes. Well, that was so. You made it so much better, too. You just Game made a good defeat even yeah. better. Well, you got to do a little trash talking. For those who don't know, I was I was basically counting a, a game I had against Sam as a win, as in our wizard, as in our whiz off, and it came back to bite me. So I just okay. want to say, really quick, too, not so, only did I get you, but double dubs as well in Game of Games. And that was even in more dramatic fashion. So, you know, just, just saying all good. Uh, that was HRPC, I think, actually. But yeah, it was so Hey, if we're that. bird walking and staying and getting as far off topic as we can, we might as well bring in all of our uh, online games and then bring them well, up right now. Right. Well, why don't right. we why don't we ask our guest what uh, he would have done here? Yes. And Al, just to make it a little easier on you, my friend. I'm going to try to pass you over the screenshot on Discord if you're paying attention to that. He's got uh, the, uh, I have the document. He's got the document. He's got the notes. Yeah, I got the document. Ah, I see you. I see and you can zoom, change the zoom level on that if you need If you need to. That's okay. Um, I was looking at this, and I mean, when you have a ranger, word of power is, it's really good. However... I mean, your opponent has two Elven Gifts, so you don't want them getting any more green. Um, I mean, my opponent gets two Elven Gifts in their first turn. The first thing I'm looking at is the Concede button. So, um, so yeah, I would have I bought Elven Curse um, and then followed it up with the Orc Grunt. I mean, with the Ranger, draw is really great. Uh, so I'm looking at that Orc Grunt to faction with the Elven Curse. Normally, I don't expect two cards. I never count on two cards meeting up to faction. Um, I always see it as a bonus, uh, not a given. But with the Ranger and their ability to track, you get those bonuses a lot more often. So I mm-hmm. feel like 
the Ort Grunt and the Elven Curse is the way to go with the thought of tracking and being able to match them up to get an extra draw. The other thing is with Word of Power, it costs six and it is not easy for a fighter to get six. Now, with that said, they have Elven Curse, two, two Elven Curses, so they've got plenty of money to spend. Um, but also, Word of Power isn't going to do as much for the fighter as it is for the Ranger. So mm-hmm. it's more dangerous for you to get the Word of Power than it is for the fighter. So I'm not as worried about them getting Word of Power as I am them getting Elven Curse and some other green to start pairing up with those Elven Gifts. To I mean, cycling is great, but cycling with damage is horrific. And so if you can keep those greens away from their elven gifts and factioning, you're better off. So that's why I would go with the, uh, the sort of green denial and go elven curse and orc run as well. Okay. I think that's great. I think a good fighter probably isn't going to go for that word of power anyways, if they have six, right. They'll probably grab that dark energy and use their, and use their ability. At least that's what I would do. Cause you're gonna, you gotta try to kill this ranger quickly. Right. That's a solid call. Uh, yeah, great points, Al. Um, Chris, while your uh, connection is stable, do you want to quickly tell us what you would do in this situation? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I think the question gets a lot more interesting if the opponent doesn't have the Elven Gifts because then that dark energy and influence or, you know, really opens up a lot. It's really because of the the concern for some of the potential factioning uh, to relate it to a later point in the episode that mm. we're so interested in keeping this green away from our opponents. So definitely it's a lock to keep the Elven Curse away, see what flips, uh, consider tracking, and then going Orc Grunt. Um, I think before I get too far into any of those points, let's I'll, I'll turn it over to what the community had said because they kind of got into that a mm-hmm. little bit more. So... Um, taking it over to the what would you do discord channel we got noodle tulpa chiming in first saying he'd buy the elven curse and see what flips certainly can't leave that for the fighter since birdlaw has two elven gift already and probably take the grunt as well so that kind of seems like the 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 consensus play for most folks um and that had good support by the community uh nivik chiming in with an interesting point here saying that um, the fighter likely has low economy on this next hand because they got their ruby and two gold with their three card hand to enable them to get both of those elven gifts, which means this upcoming hand very unlikely to be able to buy this dark energy. So we probably have a good shot at that. So I thought that was an interesting point. He also makes a possible case here for going influence and dark energy. Uh, it's risky, he says, but they might not even be able to afford the Elven Curse, right? So imagine that. That's kind of like an ideal upside scenario that you buy the Dark Energy, buy the Influence, uh, Birdlaw can't afford the Elven Curse, and then you get the Elven Curse too. So there's some uh, interesting ideas with that mm-hmm. line of play as well. Peter Panic uh, pointing out that you're forced to race at this point since they have a start that lets them space out their damage so quickly and consistently and that going for the econ uh, such as like influence isn't really going to do much for you unless a lot more yellow Imperial cards start coming off the top of the deck. Um, 
kind of rounding it out though we had an interesting point from Darklighter. he notes that we've already done our headshot here he's not so sure he would have committed to the headshot at this point you could have probably done something like buy the curse see what flips and then consider popping the headshot um and then additionally he makes a really interesting point here about the tracking what's left in your deck if you uh leave this as it is you know, you're going to shuffle and you're going to draw two gold and two arrows. You're kind of low odds to getting a bow there, which means you're like two turns away, at least from doing any card draw off your bows and arrows. So um, there's also some idea that you buy the Elven Curse and if it's a good one or two, you take it um, and then track probably. So those are some of the interesting ways that the community has taken a look at this. And I just love how you know just this one little scenario it can be uh taken from so many different angles that's part of why why we love the game mm-hmm. right guys definitely i just want to say in sam's defense he is famous for premature snapshot ulation so we can't fault <laughs> oh. him too much for, for that snapshot. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so i've known throughout <laughs> the realms <laughs> you are famous throughout the legend if you will in your own realm. uh tim you have something to say on this what do you got yeah so um i agree with dark lighter um I would have tracked um, already before I did my headshot uh, with this one, most likely being able to draw in there. You still, even if you only ended up with six gold doing all of that, you would have gone through your whole deck and uh, kept that stuff together. So I think uh, besides that, if I can't change that, like dark lighter said, can't change it. Okay. So Sam, you already messed up, but you can't change it at this point. <laughs> So now what do you do? <laughs> so I think you have to get that Elven Curse. I think almost that's like pretty much unanimous there. Uh, and then I would either think about tracking or Orc Grunt or Influence is the other one I would think about. And I'm really tempted to go like Elven Curse and Influence. Because much mm. like Alex, I don't count on those faction abilities. Um, more so with Ranger than normal. But still having that three gold and keeping that because also because I'm pl- you're playing bird law and he does some wacky stuff that a lot of people don't do. And I've played him enough to know he loves to do stuff like grab that influence and then get like domination or something on his next shuffle with it, you know, so I would be thinking about that as well. Um, just because like Alex said, with two cards, even as a ranger with two cards, I'm not counting on that faction ability, um, especially at level six. Yeah, you're right. Especially at level six. So, so what I about think the three guard probably... though? The three What's guard that? is nice, right? From the orc, the, the, cause it's I'm okay. worried about dying. I'm worried about yeah. dying to be honest. <laughs> and, and, um, and at level six, that three, that three defense guard is better than at level 12. Mm-hmm. So orc grunts right. a much more solid card at lower levels, I would say. So it'd be tough, and I probably would do like the rest of you are saying, gone Elven Curse. And then the one thing that I think I probably would do is I would probably track and mm-hmm. probably discard the two, the Horn of Calling and the Gold and kept the two arrows mm. or done the yeah. opposite, got rid of the arrows so that they're in do there you, with the You can only discard two gold. here, right? With, with this at level six. Is that right? It no, four, it's maxed two? out. It's three. Yeah. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. So three, you could, sure. because that next hand is such garbage. Like if you yep. play yeah. that, you're probably going to lose if you tried to play that. And, and I, th- I think that's so. probably what I would do is, is track mm. 
and get rid of a bunch of that stuff and get my arrows with my bows and whatever and Right, which yeah, Sam should have done before. That's interesting. He snapshot it. I probably, now, I probably just, would have been more likely to to do that if it would have been a level twelve game, because then I would have been like, "All right, I'm going to track. I'm going to do snapshot and draw the two arrows back into yeah. my hand, and then lay waste upon him." But I was really concerned about getting those two cards, so <laughs> I, I didn't even think about it to be honest. That's that's awesome. Good call out. Um, starting episode seventeen, we're changing this from "What would you do?" to "What did Sam do wrong?" on this turn yes, and we're just going to look it. at his turns and tell him what he did wrong. On. Uh, no, uh, no, this is a kind of interesting because it was, um, uh, what would you do that? It was already kind of several steps into it. It wasn't usually mm-hmm. it's like, all right, what we, we have all these different things. It's Sam has already done his turn. Now what, what would you do here? Which is kind of an interesting way to look at it. So really thank, uh, thank you, Sam, for this submission. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Nice. Thanks. Um, any final thoughts on that? What would you do guys? All right. All right. I think we're ready to go. Um, Tim, why don't you take us into the main focus? All right. So our main focus tonight, uh, let's get to know Silent Owl a little bit here. So, um, I'm going to talk for a minute before I let him talk because I'm that sort of friend. Um, but uh, Alex is the guy that got me into the realms. And so uh, if you think I'm obnoxious and you hate me and whatever, this is the guy you have to uh, to thank for that. Um, <laughs> if you like me, this is the guy you have to thank for that. So, um, But he's a really good friend of mine. He is um, a Hero Realms legend and a Star Realms legend that makes him a Realms Walker. So we thought he had some really good insights into playing, uh, especially Hero Realms, but because that's what the podcast is about. But uh, j- the, the deck builders in general. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Alex, um, yeah. I'm glad, glad to have you here. So... Um, why don't we start off by talking about uh, your your legend when you won the Hero Realms Legends, which okay. was uh, last year at Gen Con, correct? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, last year Gen Con, it was. Um, let's see, it was my second time in the finals. Um, so it was it was a big relief winning. Um, it was it was it felt pretty great. <laughs> uh, I play in a lot of live tournaments, and um, at some point you get pretty consistent. You do pretty well, but you never quite win a legends, and so you sort of get used to not winning. So when you finally do break through, it is such a relief and it then sort of helps change your outlook and your stress level when it comes to playing in any more live tournaments uh because that that sort of pressure is off um so that was that was pretty amazing um plus it's just really cool to win legends and um know that there's a card that is going to be made of you um it's 
it's it's a it's I don't I don't even know how to describe it. I the Hero Realms one was great. Uh, the Star Realms one that then came later was also pretty amazing. Just because Star Realms is the game that I've been playing longer, and so to win both uh, was which is just very rarefied air and um, to join the company of a lot of people that I respect. Uh, felt really, really great. Um, but the Hero Realms one being the first one was just really, really special. Um, I still have the the character pack that I, I took with me. I actually, I kept all the character packs from all the times I made it to the finals. <laughs> so I have so many extra fighter packs just <laughs> sitting around my house. <laughs> um. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool experience. Um, and I have to say, I mean, I, I've made it to the finals of Hero Realms Legends four times now. And um, I mean, I've only won one. I say only. I only won <laughs> one. I've lost three. But, um, and I'm not going to say that the losses hurt, but. It is the realms community, Star Realms and Hero Realms, are full of such nice people that mm-hmm. it stings to lose, but it's never like horrible. You you very rarely do you have like terrible like winners, you know, where you just mm-hmm. feel like absolute crap because you've lost and they make it feel worse. Um, most of the time when I lose <laughs> say most of the time when I lose. Uh, when I lose, most of the time, uh, I still don't feel too bad because I'm losing to a friend and I'm happy for them as well. Uh, so in the third time, it was I went up against Tim uh, mm-hmm. and he won. And yeah, I mean, I wanted to win, but I was so proud of Tim winning that it didn't 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 really feel nearly as bad as you would think it would. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a neat experience and just playing in live tournaments is such a neat and different experience that I hope, um, I hope people get to experience. Um, it is, it is a whole different way of playing this game, um, that I think sometimes gets lost in the app a little. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's. Yeah. As you're. As you're saying all of that, um, that is one thing. As someone that's played in a number of the uh, Hero Realms and Star Realms Legends tournaments and stuff in person, it's a different feeling uh, to go through that. You're playing with these people that you've met online and all of that stuff, and you you get to meet them and hang out with them over you know a convention or a weekend or whatever. Uh, or even if you just showed up for the legends just for that day, you get to meet them and see them and you say hi and you talk and you hang out and all of that. And so, yeah, like for one, usually even though the tournaments are not like 500 people, large, huge events, like some card games can be, it's like absolute killers that show up to these events and that you're playing. And so it's a tough field. And 
So like, not only do I never expect to win in those things, like <laughs> it's also people that you've met and you've chatted with and all of that. And it, it, the community around the games, like you said, is, is pretty wonderful. And so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, so I definitely agree with you there. And that's something that if you have not had a chance to do that, uh, you should try. Um, I know Chris here went to the origins 5k this past year, and that was his first like realms legends tournament stuff. And, and could probably agree with us. It was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. I mean, I'll absolutely be back and would recommend uh, everyone to check it out and hang out. Um, You know, I think kind of one of the feelings you described, it's that like, you know, no matter who wins, we're all going out to dinner to celebrate afterwards anyways, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's like the cool thing about it. And um, definitely like top top competition and everybody's supportive. So it it is really great. And I I can't wait to make it out to Origins next year. I just wish there was like more uh, uh, Legends tournaments and we could like have them more often or something, you know, but for me, it's like, nope, I'll see you guys in a year. I also (laughs) want to be a voice for the voiceless here and advocate for the international players of here around as well, who don't get a chance to go to these North American centric uh, cons and stuff for, for the chances. So like on this online digital uh, tournaments for legend cards, hopefully we'll be coming in the future. Wise wizards. If you're listening, give us international players some chances as well to join these guys. Sorry, Tim, go ahead. yeah, here, here. I was going to say, I think Wise Wizard is going to be an Essen Spiel this year. I don't know if they're doing Legends True. and stuff, but I think they are. So at least European players so. are getting That'd a chance great. this year. Um, it yeah, would be nice be if if uh, it wasn't just U.S. or U.S. and Germany that get the the spots for that. But I know they've gone to like the U.K. Games Expo before. Um, hopefully they can go out to, uh, you know, other parts of the world to do some of these as well, but, or they've done it with star realms where they've had the digital tournaments, uh, for that. So, uh, I know they've talked about it in the hero realms app as well. So, and I, I, you know, I'll also say like legends tournaments are super fun and obviously the prize is amazing, but just live tournaments in general, even if you organize them amongst friends or at a local con, it is, it is a different experience. I mean, one of the things that drove me to board gaming was uh, I was getting real fed up with sort of the toxic environment that comes with online video gaming. And uh, mm-hmm. it is a lot harder to call people the names you get called, on, you know, gaming online. It is tougher to do it to their face when you are uh-huh. sitting, you know, at a table with them. So it brings a certain level of decorum and camaraderie when you are playing live. Now, with COVID and things like that, it's getting more and more difficult to play, you know, face-to-face anymore. We're starting to get back to that, which is great. Um, but, yeah, you, that, that face-to-face just makes it such such a big difference, and it makes the game... Uh, so much more enjoyable um, that you, I mean, we have that little sort of chat function and I, believe me, this is not me advocating for a 
more robust chat function in the app because that's <laughs> that is yeah. just asking for mm-hmm. the horribleness. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's not the same as sitting across the table from mm-hmm. someone chatting, playing. Um, it's it's a different experience that uh, I just I I enjoy more than it's it's what keeps me in the game. Um, so I, I, I know because I've talked to you about this before, um, and in the process of getting the, the cards made, um, can you maybe give a little bit of an idea of what, what you know about your card for Hero Realms? Sure. Ooh. Um, so (laughs) I am a librarian in real life. And so that was really important to me. So I, when I contacted them and they were like, what do you want on your card? I was like, I want to be a demonic librarian. I was like, if you can make that happen. And they're like, yeah, we think we can work that out. I was like, perfect. Everything else is just detail. I was like, if you can work my cat in, that'd be awesome too. But mostly (laughs) make me a librarian. Um, So I know that is probably what I'm going to be. Um, the other thing I know is apparently my last name is too long to fit on a card. So uh, that will be changed mm. just a little bit. They're like, you can have your last name and like no title, or you can have part of your last name and some sort of cool title. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll, I will <laughs> shorten my name. So so those are those are the two <laughs> things I know about uh, my card. Other than that, uh, I'm just real excited to find out uh, what they finally decided on because I don't know anything about the mechanics or what the librarian mechanic will be, but uh, it'll be pretty. I'll, I'll be excited to find out. Let me know if this is too low hanging of fruit here, but why can't they just go Librarian of Alexandria? Done. Um, that reaction. <laughs> the, the cricket so, sound bite uh, might be making a um, might be coming out of retirement for this. For this you one. got the same reaction I did with my joke about Putin monitoring your IP. Uh, dubs. That's funny. All right. Uh, so so yeah, another thing that I know because um, I know you is uh, you're from Bloomington, Indiana, and our own Sam Scrapforce Parsons is also from Bloomington. So I thought that was kind of cool. And and maybe maybe there's something that you guys can, without boring everyone talking about like totally local Bloomington stuff, what, <laughs> what's something... I think Sam had something to ask you about Bloomington or whatever. Okay. So. I well, that's funny that you entered it like that, Tim, because I was like going to probably just really gloss over that because I thought it was going to be boring. <laughs> but I I could think of a few. Let me just ask this, Alex: What is your favorite Bloomington fact that you think the the general public would appreciate? I've got one I could share. Ooh, Bloomington! Do you have fact. any? Do you have any like Bloomington experiences or anything like that that you feel? Like I mean. So I feel like you should go first, Sam, while he All right, thinks. I will go first. You have one right okay. now. First. Uh, I have I have met John Mellencamp before. 
Uh, I used to fill the gas tanks of his cars. He was never the person that would come. Uh, and as rumor might have it that John Mellencamp is not a nice person, I can confirm that rumor. So I will do that for the community. I'll confirm Ooh. that rumor. And his second wife, now ex-wife, Elaine, uh, I can't remember what her, her maiden last name was, but uh, she was blonde and really so freaking nice. And I was like, how are these two together? So yeah. she was very nice. She used to come into where I worked and would talk to me. So, so Every cool. everyone in Bloomington has some sort of either Mellencamp story or Mellencamp ex-wife story. Uh, <laughs> if yep. you've lived yep. in Bloomington long enough, you have watched Mellencamp chew up and spit out so many blonde women. <laughs> um I'm pretty sure he's currently working on Meg Ryan, or maybe he's done with her now. I, I'm not sure. Yes. Uh, but yeah, there, there, there's plenty of plenty of Mellencamp to go around Bloomington. So, yes. So I'm not even from Bloomington, but uh, almost 20 years ago, I used to drive a delivery truck, and I would drive through Bloomington to for part of my route, and I dealt with uh, flower shops. And so... I even have a Mellencamp story. I'm not going to get into it here, but like, I'm not even from there. And I have, I guess it, if, yes. if you've ever been to Bloomington, you probably have a story about that. <laughs> yep. Well, you can't tease us wow. like that. Is okay. it a good well, story or it's not, not even a real, it's not, we need to cut. Okay. That we'll leave it to our imagination. Then. <laughs> Don't tell us that. Maybe our imagination. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Oh, yeah. I, are there um, any more celebrities you guys want to disparage before we continue on with the interview? Here with that? <laughs> I don't I mean, well, did uh, Silent Al get his fact? Yeah. I, we... I mean, so, uh, yeah. I mean, there are some sort of like Bloomington celebrities. I mean, there's Mellencamp, there's Bob Knight, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm old enough that I, I also have like Bob Knight stories and his, <laughs> you know, spotting him around uh, town and watching him, scream obscenities at people um so uh but my sort of bloomington fact is i mean one bloomington would not be the city it was if it weren't for indiana university being right there um and oh yeah so it brings a lot of opportunities to people that wouldn't normally uh have them in you know middle of indiana uh (laughs) <laughs> which is a really weird segue to my favorite Bloomington fact is it is home to one of the largest pornography collections in the world. <laughs> oh, nice. Cause the Kinsey library. Yeah. Cause the Kinsey library. So as a librarian, uh, <laughs> IU has one of the biggest, um, uh, libraries in the nation. Like and with the Kinsey Institute, they have a large, porn library um and so as a librarian it's a very unique library so you get to sort of study it while you're in library school uh, and find out some really interesting facts oh okay well (laughs) uh what like is one that you like like average penis sizes or like you gotta tell us something about this is hilarious there's i mean it's it's not just books but there's also you know there's toys and even like ancient condoms <laughs> and things that they're still like preserved. Oh, God. Um, but the, the thing that I thought was really neat 
Um, they have, apparently it's very rare, is uh, back in the day they used to have these exercise posters. Like you would see like these guys like, oh, you know, you can be a strong man in 30 days and you would send away for their exercise routine to, you know, kick sand in the face of, you know, nerds and stuff. So they would have <laughs> these these things you would send away for to uh, like exercise routines that you would then put up, you know, and, and follow. That was actually undercover, like gay porn. Like the the guy on the poster, you could scratch off his clothes, and he was naked underneath. And so they Whoa. have one that is unscratched, so he's still wearing his clothes, which apparently is very rare. One, it is rare to mm. find one, but two, it is even rarer to find one that hadn't been removed. Apparently, someone bought it and didn't realize that they were buying porn <laughs> and they were able to find that that is incredible that is uh, yeah thank you so much um, so so we have our bloomington facts yeah all right alex so now that we have the your history and uh interesting facts about bloomington and all that stuff covered um i know you now you wrote an article for star realms about playing in physical tournaments. And uh, I had talked to you when I was writing a bunch of the stuff for realms rising and talking about doing a similar thing for hero realms. And your article gave me a lot of inspiration. Um, Why don't you tell us some of the stuff because you have consistently played well um, at hero realms. You've done the same in a number of star realms tournaments to make the, you know, the top cut, the top four, the top two, and to win one of them. Um, what, what are some things about physical tournaments that you think, uh, people should know? Yeah. So, uh, the first thing you should know is with the app, Um, you take a lot of things for granted that you can't in physical play. Uh, Whether that's something like shuffling your deck, um, making sure that your opponent is shuffling their deck properly, uh, even something simple as keeping track of how much money you have, how much damage you're doing, uh, things like that things we take for granted from the app that you can't take for granted in physical play. And that can throw off a lot of digital players. Um, Even something as simple as remembering what cards your opponent bought and what you bought and what's coming next and what isn't. Uh, I've seen that handicap a lot of digital players uh, and they spend a lot of time in physical play trying to memorize the cards that have been bought and uh it sort of it it makes it difficult to then keep track of your own strategy and Mm -hmm. things like that so it's those things taking those little simple things for granted can uh really uh really make it rough in a physical tournament so Alex, I'm curious how you kind of resolve any disputes. Like if someone, it, if someone does, like uh, beyond being like, Hey dude, shuffle your deck again, maybe since you obviously yeah. just like cut it in half and you're trying to top deck your 
your firebomb or whatever. No, but like, how do you resolve those kind of things? Uh, and then also if you have it, like, if you're like, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to play this card first before you play that or whatever, like, what is that like when, when you're with someone that you don't really know, but you're playing this game competitively? So, yeah, it, one, uh, don't ever be afraid to call over a judge. That's what they're there for. Um, and I think sometimes newer players or newer to live play will feel sort of intimidated and not, not want to call over a judge or will feel sort of pressured to take their opponent's word for it. If there's a question on whether this comes first or this happens first, um, especially if it's a more experienced, like more experienced or well-known player in the community, they can sometimes pressure an opponent, whether they realize they're doing it or not. And I don't want to say they're doing it maliciously. Um, but there is a certain sort of pressure that comes with that newer player to then sort of accept the word mm -hmm. of the opponent. So don't be afraid to call a judge over. Um, the other thing is uh, don't be afraid to shuffle and cut your opponent's deck. Um, either one or both. And, you know, ask if they don't offer and they, in all honesty, that is just good um, live tournament play is to, after every shuffle, offer your opponent, you know, the opportunity to cut or shuffle your deck. Um, because the thing is, people will, and they don't mean, and I'm not insinuating that some people are trying to stack their deck, but humans shuffling cards, it is inherently flawed. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Ian Teague, who is Agent Seto, also a Realms Walker, an amazing live player. He actually, him and a couple friends tested where they shuffled cards and then would look to see the results. And more times than not, if you didn't shuffle very well, the cards you bought together were going to stick together and stick together throughout the whole mm -hmm. game. So don't be afraid, even if it's a friend, even if it's somebody you don't think would cheat or is cheating, um, or, you know, still cut their deck, shuffle their deck, just to make sure it's, it's not an insult to them. Um, it is just good sort of etiquette. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It, it doesn't necessarily mean you're accusing anyone of cheating. It's just in, in every card game that I've ever played, uh, cutting or shuffling your opponent's deck is, is a part of that etiquette and, and what people do. So I'm actually, don't be, don't be offended if somebody asked to do that as well. Yeah. I, I'm really glad that you said that. Cause I had no idea that that was even an acceptable thing to do. Like I, if I was going to walk into a tournament for the first time, I would feel really weird. If someone was like, give me your deck, I'm going to be like, no, what are you talking? What? This is my deck. You don't get to touch my deck. These are my cards. cards. You, you and haven't so, read yeah. my article, Sam? Jeez. Apparently not. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> or that or I did and I forgot every word of it, which is what usually happens. when Probably I Probably what happens. So. <laughs> but yeah, don't, don't be afraid. I mean, no matter how many times your opponent shuffles, it doesn't hurt it to shuffle one more time or cut at the very least cut one more time. Mm -hmm. Now, I've had opponents who sometimes will take it a little far. Uh -huh. um, 
I now, and this wasn't in realms. This was actually in another CCG game I played. One opponent uh, wanted to shuffle my deck, and actually, when they were shuffling the cards, shuffled them sort of upside down so they could see what was in my deck. And so, like, I called a judge over for that. Right. Um, but also, I've had opponents in the realms games who, when I'm shuffling wanted to check my cards to make sure that they were all the backs were all facing the correct side up uh, because he thought maybe I was turning some upside down to sort of mark them in the deck. So, I mean, yeah, right. Or yeah, or maybe I threw my champion upside down. So that way I know where my champion is going to, but like I said, you can you can sort of go can go a little further, uh, and it can get a little crazy. But really, just just a simple cut or shuffle yeah, is yeah. it, it does it makes a world of difference. And it also you know, in all honesty, it makes me feel a little better. Like especially at the end, if it's a close game, I want to cut that deck so I am deciding my fate. Now, yeah. if I cut their best card to the top that was me i did that yep yep so I, I feel you're the, the one that top but yeah it. yep yeah, yeah you know it's really interesting uh, this conversation kind of took a turn for how to cheat in a tournament live so <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> all the sketchy shit that you've seen I, I... <laughs> I think the one one other thing that that really sticks out to me that's different is that like in the app you can check what's in your opponent's draw pile, what's yes. in their what's in their discard pile, and in physical you're allowed to look through their discard pile, see what's there, um, but you can't look at the draw pile because uh, it's shuffled and right. it's there, and you can't look through the stuff. So yeah. you're you're you have less perfect information in the physical mm. tournament, and so it does take and a little I, bit different skill set. Yeah, it does. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it, you don't get the, all the information. And I think, uh, I've seen a lot of app players the first time they go to a live tournament and not realize how much they relied on that information yep. until they suddenly didn't have it. Yep. Um, and then, but, and also I'll point out also, don't be afraid to look at your opponent's discard right before they shuffle. Mm-hmm. And some more experienced players will do that. Will say, "Do you want to look at my deck before I shuffle?" Just so mm-hmm. you like. For me, I will sometimes look at the end of the game to see how much damage they have in their deck coming up, so I know how many more turns uh-huh. do I have. Will I be able to get through my deck? Uh, things like that. Yep. Um, but yeah, and, and I can awesome. say. With the the realms community, um, even in the legends tournaments and everything, like I've had opponents as we're playing the last round of Swiss and we're the top table or whatever, and I my opponent has reminded me to do things and stuff before too. So not so like you were talking about the shuffles and, and checking that stuff out is we've talked about like the shuffling, the imperfect information, this and that. But even in the legends tournaments, as you're getting close to the top cut or you make the top cut and you're playing, you know, the best of three and all of that sort of stuff. um, I've had opponents that remind me to use an ability or trigger that faction ability or this or that, or to ask, Oh, did you want to use that drawer or whatever? Even though they could have kept their mouth shut, 
mm-hmm. and taking advantage of that, like like the community and the sportsmanship that I've seen from uh, playing it's in the Rams games is is phenomenal. Yeah. Um. Well, and I will point out something to keep in mind with the live tournaments is you need to know as a player going back to what we take for granted in the app, what is mandatory and what is optional. Mm. So like life gain is mandatory, but dealing damage is optional. Mm -hmm. So it is both players responsibility to keep the, the game sort of, I don't want to say perfect, but it's both players' responsibilities to make sure that the the rules are being followed. So if I see Tim not taking the life game that he should, it is my responsibility as his opponent to also remind him. However, if he does not deal damage or tells me to take damage, it is not my responsibility to remind him of that because it is an optional ability. I know Sam has something to say, but I got to, I got to cut this in really quick before Sam says it in my first hero realms legend. I totally forgot about my opponent's champions. And he had a couple of non-guards that stayed out like the whole game because I, the way the table set up was and whatever, like I missed it. And so like, I don't remember what they were anymore, but after the game, he was like, man, you, you probably want to take these out when you're playing. It was really funny. So go ahead, Sam. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was just going to ask uh, for scorekeeping. I haven't. I use an app whenever I play paper, mm-hmm. um, and it's really helpful. Do you guys do that as well when you're like, or do you keep track individually? Do you have to use pen and paper? Like, what do you what do you do with that? So usually before the match starts, you talk to your opponent and decide what they want to do. Um, I used to do an app. Uh, Wise Wizard has the Epic Scorekeeper app, and I used to use that. However, uh, a couple problems. One, it would drain my battery by because I'm at a convention. I'm you know mm-hmm. I don't always have access to power, mm-hmm. um, so it would drain my battery too. Half the time, I had so many Star Realms digital games going on, the notifications kept popping <laughs> up, and we would go to like tap on the thing and it would take me into a star realms game. So that was the other thing. The third thing is, um, I found, I prefer, uh, paper, uh, if all possible, just because it, it keeps a record of the score. So if you find there's a mistake or if there's a discrepancy, you can go back and look at your work of, you know, the, the changes in score. Um, the now I will say the scorecards that you get from Hero Realms are greatly improved upon the scorecards that you got in Star Realms for keeping your life total. Um, so there's no harm in doing that. Those are always available. Right. Uh, some people use dice, uh, like either spin down dice or something like that, which is I know real common in uh, Magic: The Gathering. But um, I prefer paper and pen, and I will keep my score and I will keep my opponent's mm-hmm. score. Um, that way I can double check with them to make sure we're both doing the math correctly. Because like I said, chances are if they're an app player, they've, <laughs> they haven't had to do the math a lot. And 
uh, I'm a librarian. I'll be honest, you know, I'm not in a for-profit industry. So math is not always my strongest suit either. So it helps to have that paper and pen there to sort of go back and be like, are you at 15 or 16? Where, Where are we at? You know, and sort of double check each other. Yep. That's awesome. Matthew. Okay. Um, great stuff so far. It, getting this kind of inside uh, view of live events is, is really interesting to me just because I haven't unfortunately had the, the, uh, the ability to attend one yet. So it sounds like a lot of fun and uh, a whole different experience from playing online, which is a lot of how my own experience has been with this game for for better, for worse, for worse. I mean, I own the paper. I had it since it came out. I play a lot with my, with my uh, friends and, and my son and stuff, but um, this leads into kind of one issue that I have is with, as a player of Star Realms Digital. And that's kind of my level three play is kind of still in a development stage. It's kind of stunted at, at compared to my level 12 play, just because of the amount of um, games that I've mm-hmm. played at level 12. And the inability uh, until recently to play games at level three on the digital app, <clears throat> because before you'd only get a chance to play a level three character as you were leveling somebody up, either versus AI or uh, PvP. So it was just kind of hard to play level three. Now you can send specific challenges, which is great. You just have to send a lot of challenges in practice that way. Now, um, yeah, which was tough. And now it's easier to do. So I, basically, what I'm trying to say is, I understand the best way to learn how to play at level three is just to play a lot of level three. Like there's no substitute for doing that. And I get that. Now that aside, um, I really want to pick your brain here because you're one of the best at it, at playing with the vanilla character packs at level three for these legends tournaments. You've shown time and again, that you're just awesome. By the way, you're also awesome at online. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying you're, you've shown that you can just destroy people at this level consistently. So what tips do you have for us? What are some general strategies for playing at level three? How is it different from 12? Like, can you pinpoint some differences in how you play between these two things? Cause that's kind of one thing I'm still kind of discovering, I think as a player. So I prefer, and I know I'm in the minority here, but I prefer to play at the lower levels. Um, I do not like level Mm. 12 play. Um, Because, and I mean, I come from a Star Realms background. And with Star Realms, you sit down at the table and you and your opponent both start with the same deck. And you, you, it is a deck builder. You are building your deck. So it is a lot of card evaluation and, you know, sort of buying the best thing for your deck. And I feel like at the early levels with Hero Realms, especially like level three, what you buy matters a lot more than what you buy at level 12. At level 12, you, I mean... I've won games with a fighter at level 12. And the only thing I bought were fire gems. Like mm-hmm. it's, you have a built-in strategy and you have a whole built-in deck. You know, the what's on trade row sometimes doesn't matter at all, but at level three, what's on trade row can make or break your game. 
And I feel like that's where I excel is being able to understand the cards that are available, understand what's the best one for my strategy and buy it or affect my opponent's buying. Um, and that that is why, I mean, I'm not going to say that level, it, it is a different skill set that comes with level three than level 12. Um, and it's a skill set that I enjoy fostering and working with. Um, it, like, I, I'm not going to say one's better or worse. I'm just going to say the one that I like better is that, I mean, I like deck builders because I get to build a deck. Um, and I feel like that is less the to case. To clarify, in- that skill set is how you evaluate market row purchases? Or, or what is the specific skill set that you're focusing on at level three more so than 12? Yeah, m- evaluating market row purchases and evaluating game state. I mean, level 12 games also usually are a lot shorter than level mm-hmm. three games. Mm-hmm. So um, I have time to recover from a bad shuffle sometimes in level three that I don't always get in level 12. Um, so it is understanding the, the different flow of the, what the game state is and what cards are good for me at that point of the game. Go ahead, Sam. Okay. So I'm always here to kind of bring that like entry level understanding for, for everyone. So for, for me, I don't know the, the general, Note it, like thing that I've noticed about playing at level three is that early economy really can kill kill you or or not basically. Um, but I think what I I don't think that you're going to dispute that here. But I think what I would like to hear is what do you think is that next shade? Like what's below? Like okay, yeah, sure, you should buy gold early. Obviously, do that. What's like that next thing that's you would say is really important? And and you mentioned um, evaluating game state or whatever, but. Uh, like, what would you say is that is that next shade of of understanding? So, um, buying economy is early, sure, but I mean, and I'm not going to say that the character packs don't matter. I just think they don't matter as much as they do at level twelve. So, if I'm playing fighter at level three, I'm not necessarily going for economy at early on. Uh, I'm going for an aggro rush, especially, and that also depends on what's going on on trade row. If there are aggro cards to buy, sure. If not, I'm not afraid to abandon that strategy. Even though I'm running a fighter, I'm not afraid to abandon the aggro strategy because maybe trade row isn't giving me damage cards, so I can get away from that. But it is a lot tougher at level 12 with your character pack to abandon... Mm-hmm your strategy, your sort of what your character's telling you to do um, because it's it's built up a lot more around that strategy. Um, so it's... Yeah, let me jump in here, Al. I think that's a perfect point. And I think the yeah. fighter is actually the most, is the starkest example of this. Playing fighter at level three is so much more fun and interesting than level 12. I, I, yes. I admit that freely. Yeah. Now, I also yes. admit, Al, I'm a wizard enthusiast, so that's probably why I enjoy playing at level 12 more than, <laughs> than level 3. That's that's one big mm-hmm. reason for sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of what you're saying, or I mean, everything that you're saying is spot on, right? 
the aspect of deck building using the market. Like that is the driving force of level three. I think you're right. Uh, of course, that's involved in level 12 games as well. The market has a huge impact on what's going on. We're not saying that's not true as well, of course, but it's probably more so. The, in fact, I, I like to say you know, market row RNG is much stronger at level three than it is at level 12. And I think you can actually, oh, yeah. uh, in, coming from my perspective as a level 12 player, and I'm not refuting what Sam's or what Al is saying. I'm saying like as a level 12 enthusiast, this is what I like about it. But um, being able to pilot a certain character style uh, despite, in spite of, or hopefully, or to uh, um, configure a market that works um, well for you is a lot of fun as well. So you're using, you're piloting a certain style of play and you're totally right. It's much more specific, right? You're, you're choosing that wizard style and you're doing a lot of draw and you're doing a lot of manipulation with stuff. And to me, I really love that. Like that's where the meat of the game really shines. Now, neither one of us is right or wrong. These are just the things we like to focus no. on. And this is one of the beautiful points of Hero Realms is all these different levels we can enjoy it at and all these different, and not only just enjoy it, but play it at high levels of competition, right? And that's what I want to get back to, going back to level three. I don't, let's not talk about level 12 and wizard anymore, damn it. Now, don't let me talk about the wizard anymore, Al. <laughs> Although we will talk a little bit about level three wizard. Um, <clears throat> so, I get everything you're saying is good, right? And I'm, I keep going back. I want to try to pry some like specific advice for me as yeah. a player trying, like I'm not bad at level three. I, I do okay. In fact, right. I can do well sometimes. I can do not well other times. Uh-huh. Uh, I know how the market row works. Like I know how the game works. What is some specific advice you can give to someone like me trying to improve their level three? Um, their play so because level three can be more dependent on trade row you are not as dependent on your character's abilities so don't be afraid of doing an aggro rush with a cleric which i know is you know unheard of but (laughs) you're going to be able to pull that off a lot easier at level three than you are at level 12 so don't be afraid. Don't think that at level three, because I have a cleric, I have to build a champion wall, even if it means buying champions that suck just because I need them for my wall. At level three, first and foremost, buy, I don't want to say like good cards because I feel like every card has its use or in its situation, but there are definitely better cards at level three um, than there are other cards. So, I mean, don't, don't feel like your character has to dictate your strategy. Um, And I mean, that's something that carries over from vanilla play, which I say vanilla, I mean, no character packs in hero realms. Uh, which I'm hoping we will get in the app soon because that is something you really need to practice if you're going to play in live tournaments because you don't get a character pack until you make mm-hmm. top eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a whole different yeah. game then. Yeah. So, um, but that is learning and evaluating those cards, looking at what trade row is giving you, and then knowing what strategy is going to come from that. Um, like I said, your your hero pack can 
can point you in a direction, but at level three, it isn't the only direction you can go. Totally. In. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've played ranger games where I've sacrificed my arrows before. <laughs> now that might not have been a good idea, but I, I've yeah. done it. Um, that's great advice. So basically like unshackle myself from the, from like, maybe I'm too set into piloting these certain styles and you need to let go of that more at level three. Uh-huh. I think that's really great advice. And it is more of maybe in, in uh, jig, maybe on that front, it's more about instead of the character pack dictating your strategy, the cards you have available to you. dictating Exactly. Your strategy. Yeah. And, and one really good, thing to look at when it comes to that stuff uh there's some dude that wrote this novice to expert series that talks about game pace the uh the way that different strategies interact with each other and all of that uh really good set of articles if you're looking at this sort and i i would say it's more applicable at like level three play than Mm -hmm. at level 12 okay yeah maybe i'll have to (laughs) <laughs> i'll put the agency 13 Sunday, Sunday, we'll put Sunday. the links in there actually because that's a good thing and maybe i should go back and review those things because i think you know you can get i play a lot of hero realms and uh, and i played in a way where i line up lots of async games and just kind of blast through them when i have time mm-hmm. I, I enjoy playing it that way that's just how i do it that's fine i can't really play real time because i don't have time to sit and play 30 minutes and only get one game and i'm not um I'm usually hyper focused on playing. So, and if you're playing real time, you have to be doing something else at the same time where I just go freaking crazy because some of these games take so long. <laughs> and it's yeah. just how it is. Like if yeah. you're watching something or whatever, but that's usually not how I do it. Anyways, long story short, I play lots of async games and it, you can kind of get into bad habits maybe of uh, just blasting through a bunch of stuff and not thinking about what it is, what you're doing. So, um, and I really, this ties into a quick plug for Double Dub's his stream, because I think, um, and I could be wrong, Double Dub's. I mean, you're you're a good player, uh, you were a good player to begin with, but I think you've actually gotten better after you started streaming. And the reason is because you're really talking yourself through each of these uh, decisions and each hand that you have, and you're really going through it. And I don't do that anymore. I stopped doing that a long time ago. I'm usually on autopilot and just kind of blasting through stuff. So, uh, and that ties into what Al's advice is like, look at the snapshots. And of course you do that every game. I'm not saying I don't, but, um, yeah, not being shackled by a certain pathway or play style with a character, looking at what's available, uh, and kind of going with, Choose, Noodle once said as well, like each game is like its own unique puzzle. Like there's no real, he was kind of dismissively talking about strategy. He was like, there is no strategy to Hero Realms. Every game is its own unique puzzle, which is kind of true. But I mean, there's certain basic things. You, there's different levels, right? But um, this all ties in together. Anyways, uh, that is excellent advice, Al. Uh, and you, you've framed that really well. Thank you. Thank you. So one thing that I... Uh... You're welcome, that I kind of picked up on out when you were talking about the, the two classes that you had mentioned when you were giving your advice was you, you called out like cleric as one, you like, you could do it aggro or, you know, or fighter. Um, and looking in the last episode of sparks and recreation, we were talking about the performance at different levels and at, at level three um, top ranked was a uh, ranger from hero helper data. And then um, it was, fighter and then cleric and then the bottom two are thief 
in Wizard. And I wonder, do, like, does that sort of hold water with what you've seen and what your experiences have been playing at level three? Um, would you would you caution anyone against a class or would you say just just have fun or like what would you say as far as like class selection when it got to that place first and foremost have fun play the character you like you know that's that's the best advice i can give is we play this game to have fun so play the character you want to play with that said um and we have to keep in mind if we're talking about level three in the app or we're talking about paper, because the cleric is very different in paper mm. than they are in the app. Because level three cleric doesn't have uh, the that extra econ that they boosted him in the or boosted that class in the app to sort of balance them out. Mm-hmm. So, in my experience in live play, the three classes that get used most often in legends tournaments were fighter, ranger, thief with the occasional cleric or wizard thrown in every once in a while. But those were the top three performers. Um, And before the app, my, my personal sort of opinion was the fighter, the ranger and the thief were meant for PvP. The wizard and the cleric were only useful if you were doing the co-op scenarios, which I have to say, that is still my favorite part of Hero Realms was <laughs> the the campaign stuff. And I, I like that they have co-op in the app, but I would love to see a campaign mm-hmm. um, because I feel like that's where the cleric and the wizard really, Shine. those character classes really like performed well. Uh, and that's where you really needed them. Uh, but for PvP, they weren't really meant necessarily for PvP. Um, and so with the the buff of the cleric in the app, I can see the, at least at level three them moving ahead of the thief. Uh, but on paper, I think the thief is the thief is better. There's still no health cap on paper either, right? Correct. Yeah, there is no health cap on paper, which makes playing a cleric in the Legends tournament (laughs) so horrible. (laughs) Which is another good uh, argument for the health cap, I think. Yep. Yeah. Because it's it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion is watching a cleric play in a Legends tournament. Uh, I remember the first... The, the first uh, the first time I made finals, it was against uh, Rick DeMille, Darklighter. And uh, it was at the Wise Wizard, or it was at the time White Wizard Game Fair uh, in 2017. And um, it was the last tournament of the night. And everyone else went to dinner. And it was me and Rick and the, I think it was... Uh, Jay was the the tournament organizer. <laughs> like we were there by ourselves because someone picked cleric, and it took and because there's no time limit in the top eight, mm-hmm. it took over. Oh, I want to say it was like two hours or something horrible for them to finish. I mean, they lost, 
but it just took forever for them to lose. <laughs> and so it made the rest of the tournament just so delayed. Um, oh, no. So it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty horrible in paper. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, I enjoy the cleric in the app. I enjoy them quite a bit. Uh, but on paper, um, because they don't have that same buff, they're not as uh, competitive. And I think they were meant more for the campaign. They're meant to be cooperative and working with other character packs mm-hmm. and buffing them. Um, so. One thing you, I, I remember talking to you about this. And I think you told me this uh, as advice when I started playing uh, the realms games and g- getting into the legends tournaments. And when it comes to like, these legends tournaments are are a long day of tournaments. So you you have your your Swiss rounds, which is going to be you know four to seven rounds or so, somewhere in there, depending on the number of players. And then you cut to top eight, and those are best of three. And picking a class that you're comfortable with, and that you don't have to think way too much about because on a long day like that, you start to get a little brain fog and you, you just don't mental fatigue. Think as clearly. Yeah. So like, um, that's another thing where I think like a lot of people pick fighter for the top eight, because you don't have to think as hard. I mean, you at level three, there's, there's a lot more to it and all of that, but like you can just play an aggro game from the get-go with the fighter you can with the other ones as well but it's made for that so like yeah it's one of those if you're making the finals of a legends tournament it is going to be it can possibly be like a seven hour day for you mm-hmm. of just playing cards all the time and uh it physically and mentally takes a toll on you. I mean, my, I don't have the bet, like I have a bad back and those convention chairs are not super great. So, uh, there's that. There's also just, if you are concentrating and thinking for that long, by the end of the day, you are going to make mistakes. Uh, you're going to be mentally tired and you are going to make mistakes. Uh, so you pick the character class where you feel like either the mistakes that you're going to make will affect you the least mm-hmm. or um, the one that you are most comfortable with that uh, you can autopilot so you won't make as many mistakes. Totally different experience. And another uh, really good example of why playing in real life is so much more difficult. Right? It's, so much, it's so much harder than playing on the app. <laughs> For sure. Even just shuffling, guys, like shuffling over and over and over again, it gets it gets tiresome. But mm-hmm. and yeah, and wait till you get a dude wall. I, I was playing over the weekend on paper and I had like five champions out. And I was like, this is really hard. What? <laughs> I've, got, I've got so many things I can do. Hold on. Let me go really slow and deliberately here and count my damage and count my gold and not forget anything. It was yeah. tough. It's it's uh, yeah, I hear you. These are all great points. So, it, yeah, it's it doesn't seem like much, but it can make a world of difference in on paper. Mm-hmm. So, why don't we uh, uh, wrap this part up here?
This is my boomstick. All right. Faction abilities. These are some of the most exciting things in the game as they have the most powerful effects. These are what pay you off. This is what you're hoping for when you buy these cards, when you're flipping your deck. We're going to get into that and more. Um, let's go ahead and just talk about, um, you know, the first thing with faction bonuses. How do you guys rely on them? Like, when, what do you try to do to fa faction in your decks? Let's go Al here first, because he mentioned it earlier, but uh, I think it's worth going back here. And then Al, explain your reasoning for it, and then we'll react to it. Okay, so um, I I always assume I am never getting a faction bonus. Um, mostly, I mean, my reasoning for it is uh, anybody who's a Star Realms fan knows my reputation of... Uh, just absolutely whiffing. Uh, I've done it on streams. I've done it in big tournaments. I am amazing <laughs> at missing shuffles and not getting factions. So I, and, and I think it's actually made me a better player because I now reevaluate cards by assuming I'm not going to get the faction. <laughs> uh, so I, I evaluate cards a little harsher. I look at cards that maybe don't have a faction bonus and weight them a little higher um, because I just assume... Now, if I get it, that's an awesome bonus. And there are some character packs that will help facilitate that. You know, you have the ranger who can track. You have the wizard who has the possibility of some extra draw here or there. So, Or just getting enough champions that, you know, your champions will constantly be... Um, getting that, but I don't like to rely on it. It's it's a bonus, not a necessity. Okay, and now, Alex, what is your favorite? Or what is your most played character? Or do you play pretty evenly? Or do you have a preferred one you play digitally? Let's say. Um, I try to be pretty agnostic. I want to, I want to be proficient in every character. Okay. So I try not to favor okay, one enough. over the other. All right. Now, um, that's a good answer. I, I agree with that, by the way. And I do advocate playing all the characters and getting used to them. That said, being a wizard enthusiast, when I buy cards, I'm the opposite of Al. And I not only do I count on getting those factions, if I don't get those cards to faction, I'm probably going to lose the game. That's how that's kind of how it goes with the wizard. All right. Now, fortunately, if you're playing with the robes wizard, you can literally guarantee <laughs> that you will you will faction these. Yes. Um, uh, but At as Al said, you can't you but you can't you still can't prevent things from bottom decking. Like I was saying, no, unfortunately, there is no wizard magic power that. In fact, I think mm -hmm. one of the wizards magic power is to make his best cards uh, go to the bottom of the deck. That might be one of his. <laughs> <magic> <laughs> So um, I was, I was going to, oh, you're not done. Go ahead. Uh, no, I, and uh, I, no, there was one other part. Uh, no, the Ranger too, I think is you can't count on it, but basically you can. And in fact, I think you kind of have to have the mentality with Ranger, in my opinion, that the cards you're getting are going to faction. And that's how you kind of design your, your plan to play. But I'm, I'm with those two um, classes, I think I actually 
not only plan on it, but I need to faction to win it. All right. So, so I would say I'm, I'm much more like Alex that I don't count on getting the faction abilities. And so just for instance, valuating cards, I will evaluate command much higher than deception most of the time. Deception has the most nutso faction ability in the game that I can get something straight to my hand and play it. But if I don't faction it, it's two gold in a draw. So like, just as an example. Mm -hmm. But I think Matt has a really good point here. I don't know that I would count on getting those faction abilities, even with always with a wizard or with a ranger, but I would value them higher when I'm playing those classes. I agree with what you're saying about command. Evaluating cards is different than what I was talking about too, but I totally agree with you on evaluating cards that, but that that was just an example that like command doesn't have a faction ability. Deception does. They do similar things. That that was just commands the best card in the game though, too, in my opinion, I think. But (laughs) that's what I would say. But I know there's a lot of people that want to say that deception's the best card. But this is this is really really interesting. If you can't faction it. (laughs) This is super good because this is I think this is where we should explore this a little bit, right? Because factioning abilities kind of has different perspectives to it, right? And we've already uncovered a little bit. How to evaluate cards, first of all. And Al hinted that as well. Like he'll put a higher or a heavier weight on a card that doesn't either doesn't need a faction ability or the built-in ability is strong enough that he doesn't need need to count on it, right? Which is a great, I totally agree with. And Tim is saying the same thing, right? I, I totally yeah. agree with that. What I was trying to say though, with um the play style of certain characters, I actually do count on those factions and not only count on it, like I need those factions to work in order to win. Okay. Um Al had his hand up first, and then we'll go to Sam. Is that cool? I was sure. just so I was going to say. I mean, I get that we primarily play in the app, so we're talking about you know playing with characters. But uh, there's something to be said. I remember you know before there, back in the old days, before there was an app, uh, and you wouldn't necessarily play with character packs. Sitting down and looking at all four factions and looking at the cards from top to bottom and evaluating them. There are certain cards and certain factions that we value on the cheaper end. Uh, and there are better cards on the higher end. So I, I remember like green is something I want to buy a ton of cheap, uh, cheap green early in the game. And so I am more likely to faction green while I love deception. I don't know how much blue I'm going to have in my deck by the time I'm buying deception that is going to help me out. Now, the the idea was if you go heavy into blue, like if you go light into blue, you're not doing well. But if you go heavy into blue and you start getting those factions and you start getting those higher cost blue cards like Firebomb, like Deception, uh, like the Assassin, then then you're doing well. But those those cheaper sort of one two cost blue cards are not something I'm necessarily targeting at the beginning of the game. Like I said, with character packs, that all changes, but just looking at each faction in a vacuum, you start to think to yourself, what am I going to have, you know, after my first shuffle, am I going to have one cost white card or blue card, or am I going to more likely have a one cost or two cost green or red card? I was going to say intimidation is one of the fighters favorite cards, isn't it? The two cost yeah. guild five damage card. I mean, yeah, that's just because of the damage. But. It's probably one of the better 
Yeah, it's got to be one of the better blue low cost cards. What I wanted to throw into the to the mix here, uh, first off, really uh, appreciate all this uh, commentary. I agree with everything you guys are saying, especially like if you're going to faction wizard and ranger are better, and then also just evaluating things just as they are because you can't count on it. But I wanted to throw in a wrinkle, which is for me like I'll I'll count on factioning a little bit uh, more if I got an early sacrifice. So if I got mm-hmm. like a turn one. Death Touch or a turn one, um, the rot, ideally it would be the rot, not Death Touch, but uh, then definitely I would be like, okay, well, I'm going to start building this faction and in three or four turns, I'm going to start hitting these. So I, I think that's definitely another thing to kind of throw in the mix. It's, it, it's situational, like like the game is, and that's why we love it, right? So if you can get an early uh, sacrifice, or if you know you're going to go long game and you get sacrifice, then building something that will synergize mm-hmm. uh, will help you a lot. But that said, I think normally speaking, what I do is just try to buy the best card that's in front of and me at the time. Draw, drawing and cycling will also do that as well. You'll, you'll have a yeah. better chance of factioning if you have those cards. Yeah. Yeah. I get There's a lot of times, though, I tell you guys, I'll, I'll get one of each color. <laughs> yep. and, and usually it's fine. I mean, it's usually not bad because I've bought cards that I like. But sometimes it is kind of annoying if they have good faction abilities. <laughs> uh, more pro tip advice from the um, Sparks and Red cast. Buy the best card you can in front of you guys. Okay, <laughs> let's keep the um, let's yep. keep the strategy discussion yep. going. Um, Chris, you said you had a quick list of some interesting and powerful abilities. Yeah, so basically, and I'll start off with green actually. So I went through the different factions and looked at like, you know, kind of what it means to be factioning for that color and green is a bit underwhelming from a unique mechanic perspective everything is damage draw a card or discard a card it's strong but none of it's very Uh unique and basically like i always want to buy all of it but not usually for like interesting reasons (laughs) the only exception there is grok which will let you draw a card and discard a card and can get some really cool you want to buy because you want to win yeah Yeah, that's why you buy green you want to win green's good um red is similar as well because there's so many good ones that let you draw a card and then there's the mm-hmm. off-mentioned cult priest that just gets brutal with the damage um and varic having that sweet synergy of being able to put something on top and then draw it right away top and abs draw. yeah and, and the abs. abs on top of everything be remiss not to mention abs. the abs my goodness um and then of course you know Blue has some extremely interesting uh, factioning with um, the bribe, Rasmus, Deception, all letting you get cards faster. The only ability to stun, which we've seen be super relevant with Breastplate. But then um, it can it can sometimes be fun to pair up profits and intimidations. You know, you, it's not something you go for all the time. But if you can get those uh, paired up together, you've got a good combination of damage and economy. And then I don't know why. I also I don't think it's super good. But Miros and Parov, they're like bros, right? Like it feels like you should have them both and they should be out together. Sure. Um, the <laughs> re- rewinding it back to uh <laughs> um the uh imperial faction uh i think i want to give a shout out to uh word of power um because i think it's like an engine enabler in a way that like uh not a mm-hmm. lot of other cards are certain cards can like define your deck and when you have a word of power mm. you can get your deck flowing in a way that like other cards are not able to do Mm. and furthermore if you can somewhat reliably faction that card 
it means a lot too because of the life gain that it presents so i know a lot of times when we're shouting out life Mm -hmm. gain cards we give close ranks a lot of love and bring up taxation and recruit but if you can uh faction that wop it's gonna do some work for you so (laughs) uh i don't I, I don't know what I'm saying. That here, wop, baby. Yeah. So that's just a pop that wop. So many inappropriate jokes just waiting to be to- told here, but we'll we'll we'll, st- we'll leave it there. Uh, oh, unfortunately, we lost Chris. Um, but let's react to what he just said because he just brought up. Oh, oh there he's back yeah, again. Uh, he, yeah, he just brought up a lot of great stuff here. Um, yes. What are your what are your favorite things to faction guys? I mean, he just gave a good list of everything. What are your favorite factions to, to go through? Let's just go through really quick. Um, Tim, why just, don't you start out? I just love factioning to draw cards is what I love to get out of a faction, honestly. Yeah. So any, all the factions have a little bit of that. So it doesn't really matter. But if I can draw more cards that let my cards do more damage. I think Necros and Im- Imperial are the two best, though, in terms of the number of draw. But I could be wrong. I think we actually counted that at some point. But yeah, yeah, I think there's articles yeah. on Realm right on Realm. S Freaks articles might have actually that. have that in there. I think it does. But yeah, all Thank right, you. Sam. How about you? What are your What are some of your favorites? Uh, for Fun Factor Guild, I like the blues. They're it's super fun. Top decking the cards, drawing the cards, getting all that economy plus the damage is awesome. If I get a good blue deck going, it's great. But generally, blue is not enough on its own. Just to to win a game, so you've got to you got to throw it in with something else. Um, I think, and this is something we've said here, so I'm probably I'm biased, but I, I do think the best faction is is wild if you want to win, um, because it does so much damage and the and the discard is awesome. And also, if you can a discard lock someone in a game, it's uh, it's the worst feeling to have it done to you, but it's the best feeling to do mm-hmm. it. So that's also pretty fun. It is a good one. Yeah, Al, how about you? What's your favorite faction? Or some of your favorite factions? Uh, you live in? I mean, my favorite faction is is green. I mean, it's my favorite card. I've said is the Elven Gift. I like the ability to cycle and do damage. Um, with that said, though, if I'm looking to faction, my favorite factioning is the blue. Um, it is they are on their own. They are cards that I stay away from. But if I'm going blue, I go heavy blue, and I get that. Uh, cards to the top of my deck, cards in my hand. That that ability is so good and a lot rarer in Hero Realms uh, mm-hmm. than some of the other faction abilities. Like damage, you can you can find damage in Hero Realms. You can find draw other places in Hero Realms, but uh, it it takes a lot to be able to top deck or put something directly into play and. Uh, being able to skip the whole shuffle cycle is extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. So, but they, you know, I'm not buying a bribe on its own, but if I can get a couple bribes and, you know, pray to RN Jesus that they find each other and I can put a domination to the top of my deck. That's awesome. Sam, go ahead. Yeah, I agree. I just wanted to add to, yeah, the a great point on the bribe because that's definitely one of the more maligned cards. Um, but add to that, uh, don't forget with blue, you also get the the character stun ability, which can be very big if your opponent goes for champs. Yeah, yeah, stun tech is uh, only found, I think, in in guild. 
Yep. I just want to piggyback on this and then Chris will get yours too. But my um, favorite is probably also um, guild in the sense of the fun tricks you can do. Um, my favorite card in the game is, um, well, my two favorite cards are smash and grab and Varric. Those are my two favorite cards. And mm-hmm. jokes aside, like they really are. Uh, Varric is an awesome card to play just because the hijinks you can do with him. That's what I love to do about the game. Like drawing, taking stuff, buying a card, uh, put, then putting it to the top of your deck and then drawing it in the same turn is pretty fun. Um, mm-hmm. th- those are some of my favorite things to do. It's, Sam, how are you going to react to my Varric love here? Yeah, I wanted to... Th- no, I'm not going to make a dumb joke this time, though. <laughs> uh, but I'll say that one of my favorite one-two punches is to Varric, use Varric, grab a, a hero, ideally like Rayla, because she oh, adds another oh. draw, with Wizard, and then you can top deck her, and then pop her with the Wizard uh, skill. And then play it, and then you've just got three. Oh, it's just so yeah. sexy. Lots of double entendres going in there as well with your description, it. which is great. <laughs> Chris, what is your? What, what are some of your favorite really. faction abilities? Well, I'm. Uh, you know, I hope at this point, well known for my love of deception, all of the Decepticons, and everyone loves a great deception turn. Mm-hmm. So that's got to rank up there for me. But I want to show a little love for another thing that can be one of the most busted things in the game that it comes up way less often, which is when you have Arcus and the ability to prepare a champion or Kraka or whatever, just abusing that mm-hmm. prepare a yeah. champion. Yeah, that can be exactly. Nuts. Like th- those are some of the sickest turns mm-hmm. I've ever had. Is when I have rally the troops and the, domination and sweet the, champions. The, the so best that'll be even a street thug. Go ahead. Yeah. The the best factioning <laughs> is when is when you can <clears throat> deception, Arcus, prepare champion, all of this, all in a single turn. That that is what is my favorite. Yes. and it does <laughs> exactly. The best is when. When you do it, when you do that during real time, real time, and you just uh-huh. piss your opponent off so bad that they concede, they're just like, "No, I'm not even. I'm not sitting around I, while you do all this. Screw that you." That makes me feel so good when that happens. When I got a turn like that in a real time game, and my opponent just concedes, and I'm like, "Well, all right, I didn't even have to finish my turn." Yeah, you're like, okay. uh, quick shout out yep, to Nivik, who said on the Discord once, you know, he has <laughs> he's tricked opponents into conce- conceding, even though he had a shitty hand with his wizard, just by taking a long time, like he was messing around with his wizard stuff and his opponent just conceded <laughs> so i've, I've uh, totally i've yeah, totally just done those like, concessions in real-time games where i was like man i started this game 25 minutes ago and you know what i'm out of time so it's they're taking so long well, and if you look wait. at their draw deck you're like yeah i'm dead right it's like there's a 95 percent chance i'm dead anyways i'm not gonna right. sit here and wait for it but anyway don't do that at home kids that was but it's a funny <laughs> joke um how are we doing on factions here is there uh Anybody wants to wrap things up or um, tie tie? Well, I thought together? it, I thought it might be good to talk a little bit quickly about the tactics you can do to improve your chances of factioning. There's just a couple um, things that I wanted to make sure to kind of pull it all together. So uh, Sam had brought up uh, sacrifice. Sacrifice improves your ability to faction, so I think that's important to call out. Um, draw and cycle. Say that again. And drawing and cycling. Oh, because like you see more cards, or can you expand on yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're drawing extra cards, you have that many more cards that you could pair up to faction. Draw is okay. Good. Like yeah. sacrificing does. Draw is very yeah, good. absolutely. 
Um, one that I wanted to talk about was a timely deck flip. And I think that this can happen mm-hmm. the most with the wizard where like you intentionally buy up a few of a certain color and then you have all these starters in your next hand and you flip your deck so that your next deck has a high concentration yep. of, you know, your colored cards to faction up together. So Rangers I think that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Rangers great at doing yep. Yep. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it sounds obvious, but just going for a critical mass of a certain color and buying in on it. And I actually think red is pretty good at doing that because it's like sacrificing down and the damage can go up a lot. And a lot of them have draw a card stapled onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I just want to throw out there quick is like, I'm more likely to go for long shot factioning when I'm in like desperation mode, meaning like I might have a low chance to mm-hmm. faction, but I'm like, eh, I kind of got to shoot for it here if I'm going to win. So that's the kind of the last thing I want to say about factioning to wrap it up for me. Oh, and also, let me jump in. Just, let, me, let me jump in. Yeah, Piggyback on yours. Two things you failed to mention there are wizard tricks for factioning. I mentioned earlier robing something. The robes, Just robe it until yeah. the next faction comes around until you draw it. Uh, also using scry, you can actually um, set rather than draw that card into your hand this turn that won't yeah. faction, save it for your next turn. Or if you have the uh, soul channel, you can actually set up, actually set up some really nice that, um, factions that way as well. I, I would say that's really one thing that sets really good wizard players apart is when you realize I don't actually need to get this card that I think is a really good card this turn because by factioning it and leaving it in my next turn, it's going to be better for me. That's yep. one thing that really sets like setting better up future wizard turns, players yeah. apart. The ranger obviously can do that as well. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. That, I just want to piggyback on yep. what you're saying there, Chris. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to mention was that keeping a tight deck, it's always important in general to like not bloat your deck, but, the better you are at being disciplined with your purchases, the more you'll increase your odds of factioning. And along that same line, when it comes to self-sacrificing cards, such as like your fire gems, there may come a point where late game, you really decide to liquidate out those fire gems and it will concentrate your deck and improve your chances of factioning. Yep. Burn those fire gems, kids. Yeah, Don't hold on to those fire gems too long. Burn them. You guys have anything to add here for faction advice? I don't think so. I, I would just like to say that I love deception too. I don't Everybody too loves good. deception. You know, <laughs> Everybody loves about. it. It's just one of those it. where <laughs> I'm so ingrained to not count on that ability uh-huh. because it never seems to line up for me, it feels like. And that's just my own bias. So like I value it less. Yep. That's all. That's because you're not buying it. It is a risky thugs. person. That is because I leave <laughs> yeah, those exactly. thugs in the street. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where they belong. belong. (laughs) Perfect note to wrap up this episode's Car Talk. Up next, we will segue into Community Roundup. Bing boom, bing bang. All right, everybody. And here we are with the Community Roundup. This is being recorded on October 16th, 2022. Let's jump right into it. Uh, First of all, we have a few events with um, not much going on right now. The Tavern Brawl and Predator are in between seasons, so there's no news to share. Don't 
worry. They will be coming back. It's just in between events right now. Highlander is the first event we'll touch on this week. And the event itself, the most recent one, the season one invitational has finished. Rucksack was the winner of the event, uh, winning over Decatur's Meow in the final event. Noodle Tupe and Andalus faced off in the third place match, and the result was third place for Andalus and fourth for Noodle Tupe. Uh, congratulations to everybody who participated in the Highlander Invitational. Next, let's talk about King of the Castle. As of right now, the castle has once again split into two castles, Castle A and Castle B. Mainly, this is just to uh, allow for more uh, people to participate in the event as the sign-up queue has grown quite large. In Castle A, we currently have yours truly, Jingmalinkpa, locked up in an epic battle with Zentrox. We're actually in the uh, fifth and deciding game right now. In the other castle, we had Rucksack versus the Katz's Meow in an epic clash of the Titans. Rucksack emerged victorious from that and was able to defend his castle once again. Stay tuned uh, to the event page and the Discord channel for more details on Hail to the Kings. Moving right along. Next, we'll just give a quick update on Survivor Season 2. This is currently in, I think, the, this could be the maybe fifth round, I think, as of this recording. It's progressing along nicely. This season has a new twist added to the rules where each week a random rule is added to the matchups. Uh, this week the rule is that all matches must be played at level nine uh, last week i think it was the winner of the match can choose to revive one of their um eliminated characters if they defeat their opponent so in lieu of killing your opponent you could bring one of your characters back and lots of people did that in the previous week so uh meow has added some interesting twists to the rules that change every week. If you're interested in Survivor, don't worry. Uh, although the event is going on right now, I'm sure season three won't be too far along behind after it finishes. Once again, you can find the uh, details, sign up links and rules for all of these things in the show notes. What else do we have here? In other news, we have the Thandar Combat League, TCL. Season one finished up and we had the uh, promotions and relegations. Now, rather than um, call those out on Community Roundup, what we'll do instead is give you the link for you to check out how the uh, divisions in Thandar Combat League have been relegated and promoted. Uh, there's a lot of data to go through, so it's just quicker for you to check out the link that shows the uh, visual overlay of how has been uh, set up heading in 
to season two. And that will be starting uh, within a few weeks, I believe. Signups are already finished for that, and it will be starting up soon. So stay tuned for more info on the Thandar Combat League. All right. In other news, we have the HRPC event, the Hero Realms Premier Circuit, which is currently ongoing right now. It's event six, and uh, we have lots of action going on. No results to report yet, but we're getting close. We're in stage two after the group stages, and uh, things are continuing to progress in that. We'll probably have more updates for... Um, the HRPC by the time you hear the next episode. So stay tuned for that. And of course, you can check out all the details both on the link in the show notes and also there's lots of discussion that happens in the Discord. All right. You can also see the brackets in the um, challenge page for this event as well. Again, all of this stuff will be linked in our show notes. So please check that out later. Finally, the last part of our community roundup for this week is to take a look at Game of Games, which is a new event spearheaded by Bird Law uh, that has been a rousing success for its unique rules and play style. Uh, the rules are a little complicated and convoluted to get into here, but I highly suggest you read up on them by checking out the link in the show notes. And uh, follow along what's happening. Uh, simply put, though, stage one starts off with whiz-offs or wizard mirrors. And players who can garner enough wins in that stage move on to uh, the second and third stages. So slowly, the amount of progressing players get whittled down until a lucky or uh, skillful player can pass stage three. This is, again, ongoing, and I suggest you check out both the Discord channel and the show notes for the link on the event if you want to learn more. That wraps up this week's Community Roundup. All right, everybody, this has been episode 16 of Sparks and Recreation uh, with our special guest and uh, wonderful librarian who has curated a wonderful board game collection at my local library system. So uh, Very thank nice. you for that, uh, Silent Owl. And I just wanted to thank you to everyone. Thank you to the patrons that support the show. Uh, and and anyone that just does stuff for the community, uh, I just want to say thanks. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for the recording. Um, Al, it was awesome to talk to you, to share our Bloomington facts. And uh, just to get to know you better, we, we played a, an epic cleric game recently that we talked a little bit about. But um, uh, I feel much more comfortable reaching out and, and chatting you up now, so. It was great to have you on. Thanks for coming and, and thanks everyone for listening out there. Cheers, everyone. Until next time. I hope your shuffles are good. Yeah, and I am <laughs> Double Dubs signing off for the night. I wanted to also uh, thank you, Al, for being on the cast tonight. Um, 
Awesome to have you on. I know we've had some battles. I think I like declared you my rival or nemesis early on <laughs> via DM because we had like an epic cleric match. So you're always like such a beast of a competitor and it's really fun to play against you. So thanks for coming on and chatting a bit. Um, for all the listeners out there, please tune into my stream Wednesdays, 830 Central, twitch.tv slash double dubs. Looking forward to seeing you all there. Awesome. Um, Al, any uh, final shout outs here or um, plugs you want to give before we finish? Sure. Uh, I just want to say thank you for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I don't get to enjoy the community nearly as much as I want. So this was really fun to be ingrained in it. Um, and also, I just want to say, you know, don't forget to support your local public libraries. Um, I, I do the game collection here, and um, there, there are plenty of public libraries out there that have board game collections, or if you're a board gamer and your library doesn't, uh, go tell them you want a board game collection and help them out uh, if they need it, uh, whether it be through suggestions or uh, coming to board game programs or anything like that. Uh, support your local library and support gaming in your library. Good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us, Al. You are a um, great competitor, uh, and your skill in Hero Realms is surpassed only by your class as a human being. So really, really a great <laughs> pleasure to have you have you with here, us here. today, Al. Thanks a lot. Um, Silent Al is a... Uh, do you have anything... you want to plug anything in your Star Realm stuff, or is there anything you want to share? Or are you, you good to go? Um, I mean... If, if you play Star Realms, you can always find me. Um, but there, uh, the thing that is nearest and dearest to my heart is Dodgeball. Uh, it is a variant of uh, Star Realms that we play, uh, similar to um, Tavern Brawl in that you're on a team. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, if you if you play Star Realms, check that out. And um, yeah, I'm really active in in the that community. We'll throw if you have a link, we'll throw it into the show notes so listeners can find it uh, later. Because dodgeball is the best way to play Star Realms. I just gotta say, there you go, coming That's true, coming from uh, the legend himself. <laughs> All right, guys, that is the end of our episode. Thank you so much. Uh, one quick shout out to our patrons again. Thank you so much for your support, Andalus, uh, S Freak, Logan Stewart, our own Double Dubs himself. Uh, Daily23 and Noodle Tupe. You guys are the best. We couldn't do it without you. All of our listeners, thank you so much. Uh, please continue to support, uh, subscribe, follow us, leave us some reviews, do all that stuff. Tell your friend about us. You know, play it in the car with the windows down as you slowly drive through your, your neighborhood to put out the word <laughs> that way. Whatever you got to do. Uh, we really enjoy putting this out and we look forward to the next time. Have your good time in the interim, everybody. Made it to the end of the show. Congratulations. You're a nerd. Tune into the next episode of Sparks and Recreation for more on community events, meta analysis, and everything Hero Realms.